Hello, queens, and welcome to the Purity After Promiscuity podcast, where we are redefining a woman's worth. To all my loyal listeners, hey, girl. And to all my new listeners, welcome. We thank you, we appreciate you, and we honor you for joining us as we are on this journey of redefining our worth as women. And this week's episode is called Sins and Cycles. Yeah, that part, right? Um, Because I do believe that a big part of discovering and redefining our worth is really being honest about those things that we're struggling with, those hidden things, those secret sins, those cycles, those patterns that has that have us bound, right, on these perpetual hamster wheels and we're going round and round and we can't seem to get out. And sometimes we just really got to, number one, identify what those are. And number two, we have to be willing to do something about it, right? We It's not enough just to identify or to, to know and and, you know, it's, we have to actually take action to do whatever it takes for us to be healed, to be delivered, to be set free. Because I know for me that the hidden things or the secret sin and the cycles that I have been um, particularly bound by has prevented me from really having that value and really having that worth because I know that thing that I do that don't nobody else know. I know those sins that I struggle with behind closed doors, right? And so the enemy will allow, he will try to come and take those things, right? And um, manipulate us and exploit them and start try to speak into our minds negativity and try to tell us that we'll never get free or we'll never be anything or nobody will ever want us or we'll, you know, God doesn't love us because we're struggling with this thing that we that we can't seem to let go of so today is gonna get deeper um I know we've been going deep ever since the um podcast has premiered but today we're really gonna go deep and I'm gonna really um begin to unpack some things about myself personally and some um some really um deep things that I am particularly um struggling with and and the prayer is that it it also helps someone else, right? That it's a blessing and that it helps someone else to be able to get free. And it helps someone else to be able to identify that that root, identify that thing that is causing them to be bound in a certain area or in a certain behavior or in a certain mindset, whatever that may be. And so today, um, we're just going to dive right in. So um, there's one particular area in my life that I have truly been in a cycle and and a, and a pattern and just really just this vicious cycle of right um, and and for me that is um, masturbation and pornography um, and just lust in general and honestly I have dealt with this since a child. And it's sad to say that, um, but it's real. It, it's my truth. This is my testimony. You know that. I started masturbating and I got exposed to porn at a very young age and a lot of it um, came about as a result of the things that had happened to me as a child. I was molested um, by a family member when I was young and I have very vivid memories of like certain instances of the act when um, it happened but then there are other instances that I don't remember so for a long time I really just suppressed the memory period um 
one reason was because I was still kind of forced to be in a relationship with that person. That person was a family member. So, you know, I was still around that person. I was still, you know, um, in a close knit family dynamic with that person. So it made it very difficult to try to hold on to those things that um, were being done to me. And also, I think I was so young when it when initially started that I didn't really know what it was. I didn't really know what was happening. And I didn't really know if it was right or wrong, especially because it was presented to me in a way like that they were tickling me. And I hear people make jokes about that, um, where they'll be like, you know, when you were younger, your your uncle said he was tickling you, you know, and he was, you know, violating you or whatever. And it almost can be in a very um, jokey manner. But for me, it's not a joke because it really happened to me. I was really told I was being tickled by a family member who was really, he was really molesting me. So, you know, I just... We have to be mindful of what we say. But back to back back to um, the subject at hand. So um, I was molested and I didn't know how long I was molested and I didn't know when it actually started because I really only have memory of a certain age frame or a certain time that I can actually recall the, the um, details of me um, being molested by this family member. So I, for a long time, just really didn't even allow myself to even acknowledge that it happened. And I went, I went on in life like that. And what happened was when I was being molested, that opened a door. That opened a door in me and it opened the door for lust and it opened the door for perversion. And I didn't know, you know, I'm young, I'm a kid. I don't know anything about that. And I don't know if they knew, you know, but it did. And so automatically I went from being this innocent young girl to now having these sensations, right? I started having, it's like my body was awakened you know, there was a part of my um, my my physical, sexual um, being that was awakened really early and really prematurely. And so I, I didn't really understand what was happening. All I knew is I, I started to feel these um, desires and, and these longings to want to have that same type of... Um, release that I had was get having done to me when I was being molested so that just led me to um start masturbating if you will and so I started masturbating at a very young age and I would just sneak you know and just look at things I would find things around the house that would was kind of sexual in context and you know just enough you know to try to kind of turn me on to where I could then um, go and try to meet this need this hunger this appetite that I started developing within my body and I started that I, I probably I'm trying to think I think I could have been like eight nine years old when I started doing that and so after that, we ended up stumbling across porn at a family member's house. And it was me and a bunch of my cousins. And we really didn't know, like, we had never seen porn before. And we really didn't know what it was. And it was back in the day where we still had VCRs and VHSs. So we just, like, found this. Um, it was almost like a little briefcase type of thing. And it had a bunch of VHSs in it. And they, they did, you know, have names written on them. We really didn't know what they meant. So we just kind of popped them in just, like just curious not even knowing like what we were really about to um 
Pandora's box that we was about to open. And when we popped it in, it was like, wow. Next thing you know, we're like young eyes. We could have been, I would say, maybe 10 or 11 or something around there. Maybe I was. Uh, a couple of my other cousins were a little older than me. A couple of uh, my other cousins were younger. So, because it was, it was about five or five of us or whatever. But next thing you know, our little eyes are exposed to pornography and we're watching it and we're not really knowing what we're watching. We not really understanding what it is, but we watching it nevertheless. And, you know, it another thing it did to me personally, it it's like it awakened another part of me It awakened another part of, you know, that that sexual um desire you know that sexual appetite that really should not have been awakened at all but it just kind of it, it fueled it even more so then my appetite grew from just masturbating and now I wanted to watch porn and masturbate and so by the time I'm 12 years old you know I'm already full-fledged in a porn addiction and masturbation addiction I didn't know that then, but now I can identify that. And that's one thing that I, is very important is identifying the root, identifying, you know, the cause, identifying, identifying, you know, the origin of where things begin. Because once you are able to um, trace things back to where they begin, then it becomes a little more easier to understand why things happen the way they are, why you do what you do. And then you will be able to have more clarity on what you need to do now to be delivered or, you know, to, um, to, to, to get some type of help or treatment or whatnot. So yeah, so in a nutshell, that's kind of like how my mind started, um, but it does get a little deeper and we're going to talk about that here in a few minutes. But um, as a child, you know, again, I couldn't tell my parents or I didn't feel comfortable or didn't want to tell my parents like, hey, something is happening to me in my body. I don't know what it is. I'm having these desires. I have these awakenings, these appetites, you know, for, for, um, you know, some type of sexual stimulation. Now I'm addicted to porn. So I kept it to myself, like what most people do, you know, you do it, you hide, you do it in secret. So every moment that I got to, to hide, every moment that I got to sneak, you know, and, and, and find porn, cause I ended up finding porn in my own house because it was so interesting that after we found the porn at the family member's house, I reasoned in my mind, I said, Hmm, if there's porn in their house, I wonder if it's something in my house. So then I went searching when I got home and, and true indeed, I found some porn in our house as well. So that just really initiated and fueled the fire that I was then going to, um, that was going to begin to get out of control. So now you have from like the age of eight or nine, where really the door opened, I was very young. I, I think I was like a baby or a toddler, um, per information that I just received from um, another family member when I finally got the courage to admit that I was admit that I was um, molested by this particular family member. Um, that family member who I confessed that to actually had an idea because they kind of stumbled across something with him doing, you know, with him and me. And it was very unusual, you know, and it was kind of weird. And but they just didn't catch him in the act. So they could didn't have proof. So they didn't really, they kind of put it out their mind. But I based on that information, they told me I was I was probably a, a young toddler at that point. So I was probably very young. And I just don't have a memory of when I was being violated and molested and um, touched inappropriately. So again, these appetites begin to grow and they begin to fester and I didn't know what to do with it but to 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 feed it you know to meet the need and so that's what I did for all these years so 
here I am 38 years old today. So now you're, you're talking about probably 30 solid years of me in secret for the most part behind closed doors really in this cycle in this vicious cycle this pattern of habitual sin because as I got older I, I just began to it began to be more normalized to me I just would do it it was just something I did you know I would just sneak I would just watch some porn and I would just masturbate and, and I didn't really see anything wrong with it and I didn't know anything was wrong with it a because I never really heard nobody talk about it and I never talk, told nobody so I did I just assumed it was something that people did I didn't even even though in my mind I knew I was sneaking and hiding doing it I still just didn't see anything wrong with it and I just continued to do it and the more I did it it was almost like the more I fed the appetite the more hungrier it became so where I could have done it here and there it became more excessive right um as I got older I found myself um you know pay-per-view I used to run up the pay-per-view channel uh bill on my um <laughs> on my aunt's tv when i used to be babysitting and i don't know why i would do it because obviously i'm gonna get caught because of the, when the cable bill come and she see these charges she go no but i was so uh, you know my mind was so like just consumed with needing to feed this appetite that i didn't think logically i didn't think clearly i didn't think it through i just did it i'm young i'm a teenager you know i don't know i'm not thinking reasonably you know i'm not you know really sitting down analyzing you know this decision before i make it i'm just like yo oh my goodness I can just cut it on the TV uh, you know and so and and I need to feed this appetite this thing it you know it's like it's consuming me it's like it's controlling me and I need to feed it and so I would do that and so it just was getting out of control and I really didn't recognize that it was getting out of control I just continue to allow myself to submit to it and continue to 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 feed it every time it would get to rage and it became like a monster which is rage just all the time and I just had to find a way to feed it and to release and that was that's been my story that's been my life for a long time I've been bound in this cycle of sin right and so um even as an adult I, I remember I would literally in between work I would leave in between clients um and I would go home just to watch porn and, and masturbate you know I remember like I would be in a relationship with a man and we would be sexually active we would be having sex but I would still sneak and masturbate it was like it just became a part of my life and for so long I, I just never ever wanted to ever tell anybody it was just like my own my little secret and I still didn't really think anything was wrong with it even as an adult um, I figured hey I'm not having sex with a person um, you know so it was the harm in it right um, I, I need to release you know I need to you know satisfy myself and on all these things we tell ourselves or even things we may hear other people say so I continue to do it <laughs> And then, you know, all along, I'm, you know, teeter-tottering between uh, really walking in my uh, walk as a Christian and, and being in the world. And so I still never heard nobody talk about pornography or masturbation. And I would go to church. I was going to church every Sunday. And that was just never a topic that I heard talked about. So, yes, I heard about sexual immorality. Yes, I heard about fornication. But when people talk about sexual immorality and fornication, at least as how I heard it, it was more or less about sex, having sex with another person. I wasn't having sex with another person. I was having sex with myself. 
So again, I didn't really know it was wrong and no one had told me I didn't have the teaching. And, um, and then I remember when I, um, started hanging with certain group of women, um, that were my friends at the time, um, beknownst to me, we got on the subject one day and come to find out they, they masturbate, they watch porn. So then it became even more normalized. It was like, oh, people do do it. Oh, it is okay. Oh, I'm not the only one. So it was like, and then we would talk about it. And then we would go to like, we would go to the um, stores together and buy um, vibrators and, and different things. You know what I mean? It was like, it was just like a part of conversation. It was just like a part of sex, you know? And it was, again, it was presented in a way that it was okay. So I was just like, cool. So I just, I, I continued to indulge. And so it wasn't until, uh, I would say probably 2019 where I really started to hear different teachings and really started to read the word and really hear God starting to speak to me, especially about, um, the area of masturbation and pornography. And that's when the light bulb went off and I was like, wait a minute, uh, I think what I'm doing is a sin. I think it's not of God. And I think where I'm at with it today, is it's a stronghold, right? I can't stop. And so I started to feel convicted where I never felt convicted before. I was masturbating all these years with no conviction. I didn't feel bad about it. I felt, I mean, I, I felt like a little bit after I would do it. A lot of the times I would feel like, Ugh, why did I just do that? What am I doing? This is nasty. But it wasn't like I was convicted. But in 2019, I started feeling conviction behind doing it. Now, at this time, the person I was dating, me and him began to um, have deeper conversations. And and I ended up revealing to him that I struggled with um, pornography and masturbation. And he ended up revealing that he too had that same struggle. And so what ended up happening was that opened the door for us to start doing it together. So in the meantime, I really want to stop because I'm starting to feel conviction. But now this is another way that me and him is able to connect on an intimate level where we before we had never talked about that. We had never, you know, been able to share that with one another. And now we can. So it was something that was a little exciting. And so we began to do it and it was okay. But I was feeling conviction and I was torn and I didn't know what to do. And it was like, I want to stop, but I can't because it feel good and I like it and I like him and we're having a good time but at the same time I know it's wrong and I don't want this to be something that costs cost me my salvation but I can't stop doing it you know so I begin to really be on this um cycle and pattern and feel like the wheel started spinning um, faster and faster and I'm like what how did I get here and so like I've been on this, I've been on this um, hamster wheel and just warring within myself for the, the past three years where I'm really struggling. Like I want to stop watching porn. I want to stop masturbating. But then there's parts of me that is like, I can't and I want it and I desire, I desire it. And that appetite is so strong. And it's like, I just, even when I try to resist and even when I try, you know, to, to, ignore it or you know to do something else to get my mind off of it it's like my mind always go back to it and I just find myself doing the very thing I don't want to do 
I wonder how many of y'all are like me where you have that thing where it's like you don't want to do it but it's like you can't help it you just find yourself doing it anyway and you feel convicted and you know that this is something that you know is a sin or you know this is something that is disconnecting you from God or you're defiling your body or this is something that may be harmful in some manner but you can't stop that's where I'm at so it wasn't it's it's not a choice anymore this is an addiction this is something that has been embedded and hardwired into my brain for over three decades this is something that this is an appetite that I have been feeding and fueling for over three decades and now I think that all of, automatically I'm supposed to just be able to stop but I can't and then the enemy you know those thoughts those tormenting thoughts started really coming to me like oh you're not saved Oh, you're not pure. You're not holy. Oh, oh, you're a sinner. You know, you ain't gonna never stop. You know, you're nasty. You know, so now I'm trying to, not only am I trying to figure out how do I stop this behavior, but now I'm trying to, you know, filter through and, and cast down these tormenting thoughts that I'm having a hard time even um, not receiving these thoughts because I know what I'm doing. And I don't understand, like, why Why do I keep doing it? When I know the word, I know it's wrong. I know that it's still a form of sexual immorality. I know it's still a form of perversion. I know, you know, I'm still having sex outside of marriage and I'm having sex with myself. I know that. I know the Bible said you flee the very appearance of, of sin, that you flee the youthful, um, l the lust of your youth, you know, that you, you know, that you put away all sexual immorality, right? Sexual immorality is any type of sexual activity outside of marriage between one man, one woman. So anything we do that is any form of sexual activity, it could be oral sex, it could be masturbation, pornography, you know, uh, if you call in talking to, you know, having phone sex if you you know you any doing any form of sexual activity outside of the marriage bed is sin and knowing that and having the conviction but still doing it, it it really weighed on my on my esteem it really weighed on what I feel about myself what I think about myself because I felt like I'm bad I felt like I'm dirty I felt like I'm unworthy like I'm just gonna be this nasty girl who just gonna continue to um just sin against her own body and sin against God and gonna continue to indulge in all of this sexual sin and have these desires and these appetites right like how could I truly be saved it's that cycle. And then what God started revealing to me, it's not just me, though. And see, it's so much deeper. And this is why we talked about earlier the, the being able to pinpoint, identify the origin. Because come to find out that this particular sin and cycle of, of lust and perversion and sexual immorality, right, and sexual sin didn't start with me. This has been in my bloodline. Come to find out, um, talking to uh, different family members, that there are so many people in my family that were molested by other family members and no one was ever held accountable no one ever went to jail no one was ever called out on it no one was ever sent away to get help they were allowed to violate and molest and hurt family members and people you know and people knew it was happening like we have certain family members in our family that are like the known molester right we were we are some of us may remember that that um was it a song or it was something back in the day where they talked about chester the molester um well it's like we had those in my family and the thing about it is molestation and rape and, and and um sexual sin and, and perversion was on both sides of my bloodline on my father's side and on my mother's side 
And the more I started talking to family members and the more I started hearing stories of what happened and how other people are also molested and how other people also struggle with this particular sin and how so many people in my family are bound with this same sin. They're bound, you know, whether it's um, a form of homosexuality, whether it's molestation, whether it's rape, whether it's, you know, you're, you're hypersexual, you're oversexual, you're promiscuous, you know, whether, you know, it's incest. We have, we even have incest you know, in our family that it, way more than I ever knew. And so now the Lord start revealing to me the reason why this chain, this thing is so heavy and is so difficult is because this spirit has been hovering over my bloodline and ha has had a hold on my generations and not just me. So by the time it gets to me, it's so strong. I can't just do it on my own. This is like a giant, you know, and this thing has doesn't want to let me go because it has been able to devour and destroy so many lives in my family. And no wonder I can't seem to discover who I am and I can't seem to discover my um, re and redefine my worth and my identity and my value and my truth because I have this thing that is trying to keep me bound and it is trying to hold me back from ever recognizing and realizing who I am because it knows the day that I that I realize who I am, the day that I discover my identity and my worth is the day that its time is up. It will no longer have power over me. And so it's like I'm stuck in this place where I'm constantly battling between this sin and the urge and the desire and the longing and the thoughts because there are times where I'm sitting there doing nothing that has anything to do with sex I'm not watching anything because I don't really I rarely ever watch tv I monitor what I watch I monitor what I listen to I monitor what my kids watch and listen to I don't have certain type of conversations um aside from with with my ex you know unfortunately we we that's a whole nother situation but yes I I have often had conversations about sex or you know <laughs> with him because he still very much is in that place where he is okay with the masturbating he's okay with um, pornography he's okay with sex and sexual sin he's not where I'm at so I, I oftentimes find myself when I go back to him even when I know I'm not supposed to, I end up in the same place. It's the same cycle over and over again. We always end up, no matter how many times I tell him I don't want to, no matter how many times I give him scripture, no matter how many times I even cry tears and say, I don't want to continue to sin and do this against my body and against God. I find myself giving in and I masturbate with him anyway. And it's a terrible thing because deep down, I really don't want to do it, but I don't know how to stop because it's like my, it's, it's like it almost is, um, you know, really controlling me. It's almost like it's dominating me. And I, the thoughts that come out of nowhere, I could be minding my business. I'm doing something totally unassociated with any type of sex. And next thing you know, these thoughts come. Not only do the thoughts come, the urge come and my body start getting hot and heavy and I start feeling horny and aroused. And next thing you know, I'm having thoughts of I want to touch myself. And I'm like, this don't make no sense because I didn't went months without thinking it. I didn't went months without doing it. But then it seemed like every time I feel like I didn't cross that threshold and, I, and I'm really um, free from it and I didn't got a breakthrough. It's like, boom, it pulled me right back. Can anybody relate to that? And so I begin to cry out to God, like, Lord, why? Why can't I shake this? Why can't I, you know, I even talk to my counselor. You know, I go to counseling every week and I told her, like, hey, I have an addiction. And this addiction is, is deeper and it's bigger than me. This thing has been in my family and my bloodline for, for, it's ancient. 
It's been there for, for a long time, for generations and generations. And there's patterns. There's patterns of molestation. There's patterns of rape. There's patterns of incest. There's patterns of homosexuality. There's patterns of promiscuity. There's patterns of all of these sexual sins in my family. I can trace them. I have even wrote them down on paper and broke it down to what family members that I knew of struggled with what? On my mother's side and father's side. And it's deep. But I just feel like God wanted me to just really release that on today's episode because maybe someone else is struggling with something. It don't have to be sexual sin it could be another sin it could be you know some other type of behavior it could be alcoholism it could be addiction you know it could be lying it could be stealing it could be gambling you know it could be overeating it could be depression it could be stress you know it 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 doesn't matter but a, a lot of times we may see similar patterns in our bloodline in our family and we don't really we don't really um take it serious or we don't really understand what we're really seeing because I know people who say oh well my mom was an alcoholic or my grandma was an alcoholic or my granddad was an alcoholic my dad was an alcoholic and and now I drink a lot or you know you can see certain um cycles and patterns of of different um unhealthy and negative and toxic behaviors in our families and then we kind of just you know take it lightly or overlook it you know as what it is but no baby that's just that that's that's letting you know like there is that is a stronghold that is a pattern and a cycle that's in your that's in your your bloodline and in your family that um needs to be broken and if it's not broken it's going to just continue to um perpetuate from generation to generation and it may not necessarily hit every single person but it's going to hit somebody or it may not manifest as this in the same way with every person but it's there and a lot of times um people like me hide it because sin is best um it, it is best kept when it's when it's hidden you know, it is. It has a better strong hold over you. It has a better grip on you when it when it's hidden. This is why the Bible tells us, you know, to confess our sins one to another. You know that we can pray for um in one another and be healed because there's something about shining shining the light on that darkness. You know, the Bible always also says that where there is light, darkness cannot be. the The more we keep things in darkness, the more the light can't hit it, and the more the the stronger it is, and the more of a hold it has over us. But see, the only way we can redefine our worth is we have to begin to identify these things. We have to identify these struggles and these patterns and these cycles that makes have have not started even with us maybe it's something that our ancestors dealt with you know maybe it's something you know that our generations have dealt with that we're dealing with now and maybe we don't understand why we can't seem to get free from it and and God wants us to be able to identify the root because you cannot you cannot uh change a weed you can't stop a weed from continuing to to show up in your garden or to show up in your yard as long as you only pluck the weed up from above the surface like a lot of times people you know you'll see weeds i see people who garden or take care of their lawn and stuff and they're out and they're pulling up weeds right and it seems effective but then it's like you pull the weed up and yeah it's gone for the moment but then you come out the next day and it's there again and you're like wait a minute i literally just pulled that up yesterday why is it here again it's because you didn't deal with the issue the issue isn't what's above the surface the issue is what beneath the surface is at the root so for me i kept trying to deal with the behavior the manifestation of of a bigger issue that's going on the issue is that we have that there is a lust there is a, a lust and perversion uh spirit or uh stronghold that has held 
that has been keeping my family bound for bound for generations upon generations and I'm trying to deal with the fruit but I'm not dealing with the root and so all I was doing was constantly trying to pluck away at the fruit and I was becoming exhausted because every time I would pluck one piece of fruit another piece would, or two or three pieces would grow in its place and I just didn't understand it and I'm like wait a minute I'm a Christian I'm saved I believe in the word of God I got the I'm filled with the Holy Spirit I have conviction I don't want to do it I'm praying I've prayed I've fasted I've, I've talked to my counselor we started working on different you know techniques to try to deal with the with the problem but the one thing she said to me <laughs> that really really just like it really be, began to open my eyes was when I was just really telling her like listen I don't want to keep doing this but I keep doing it and I don't understand and I feel so bad you know and she was like well you know we can help you you know I can help you she was like but it's gonna seem like a roundabout way because you are focused on the behavior she was like but we need to figure out what is what is the origin you know what is it what need is it meeting you know what how is it benefiting you how is it helping you what is it doing for you under the surface like in your emotions you know what is it doing for you mentally and I had to stop and think like wow I never really thought about that I'm so focused on the fact that I'm doing this thing that I know is nasty. It's disgusting. I don't want to do it anymore. I know it's sin. But I never thought about what, how, how is it really helping me? How is it benefiting me? Like, why? Why am I doing it? How am I soothing myself? What type of release am I getting mentally and emotionally when I'm physically releasing? How is it benefiting me? How, what need is it meeting? What deficiency do I have? What void am I trying to feel through this behavior that's happening underneath the surface, right? So it's like, I can't continue to focus on the behavior as much as the behavior is hard. You know, it's hard to not focus on it. It's hard to not really have to sit and look at myself after I'm done masturbating, knowing what I just did. And I feel heavy with that conviction. And it's never condemnation. Because in Romans, it tells us there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But it is conviction to say, hey, you know, you, what you doing? You know, this 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 not right. You shouldn't be doing this. You know, do you not know that your body is a temple where the Holy Spirit dwells? Well, the Holy Spirit can't dwell in a defiled temple. So it's hard, you know, when you be, the more of the words, you know, the closer to God, the more of his nature, you know, the, the harder it is to really just sit with sin. But my approach is wrong because I'm still dealing with or trying or attempting to deal with the with the fruit, with the behavior. But I'm not understanding the origin. Right. I didn't I didn't know that this thing was was a stronghold that has been hovering over my bloodline for all these generations. I didn't know that my mother is dealing with it. My father is dealing with it. My grandfather is dealing with it. My grandmother is dealing with it. And my aunt is dealing with it. And my cousin is dealing with it. Like uh, and, and just so many people in my blood. I didn't know. I thought I was the only one. So now I have a greater understanding. And now I can begin to uh, disassociate this behavior with my identity. Come on, somebody. Let me say that again. I can begin to disassociate this behavior from my identity, right? Where at first I thought this behavior was a part of my identity because it's something that I always done. So I thought I would always be nasty. I thought I would always want to satisfy myself. I thought I would always, you know, have this, this, this lust that was just like a, a burning desire was just like this un insatiable appetite, right? I, I thought that I was just, uh, you know, I thought I was just sexual. 
I thought I was just, you know, um, very into my sexuality, right? I thought, you know, I was just, you know, quote unquote, you know, like just, you know, a little, a little freak, you know, these things that we say, or these, these comments or these statements, um, that we adopt, um, at, with in in the context that this is something that is good right this is something that is beneficial because you know most of us who are who have had sex before know you know don't know man or even a woman want to have no boring um corny mundane sex you know you want it to be spicy you want it to be fun you know you want it to 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 be different you know you want it to be exciting and so you know i looked at it like okay well i'm just a sexual person you know i'm just you know very i have a high sex drive you you know and just all of these things so I started to adopt it as a part of my identity and and God is like no no that's not a part of your identity that's not even a part of your identity right now I'm able to disassociate from that and discover like wait a minute I'm still fearfully and wonderfully made despite the fact that I have this struggle I'm still the apple of God's eye despite the fact I have this struggle I'm still a daughter of God, despite despite the fact that I have this struggle, that this struggle is just a behavior. It's just a manifestation of a stronghold that God already knew that I had when he created me. And he still created me in his image. And he still looked at me and he still said it is good. And Jesus still died on the cross for me. And he still nailed sexual sin, sexual immorality, lust and perversion to the cross. But now I got to nail it to the cross. And in order for me to really redefine my worth, in order for us to redefine our worth, we have to begin to be able to be honest with ourselves about those things that we struggle with in secret. The longer we keep them in secret, the longer we're going to stay balanced. Trust me, I'm talking over three decades. I'm not making this up. It's not a game. I'm on here telling my truth. I'm being open. I'm being transparent. This is something I thought I would never be able to do. I was so embarrassed. I was so embarrassed, like, especially once I became saved, like what? I'm saved. I'm a Christian. I go to church. I'm serving. I'm in leadership. I'm doing all this stuff. I dare not tell nobody that I'm struggling with masturbation and pornography. Never. I never in a million years thought I would be able to be comfortable being to tell anybody this and to say even today, I still struggle. But God, but see, I understand that God's process may be a little different than mine. And, and and oftentimes we look at a person and we see a behavior, right? We may look at a person who angry or a person who violent or a person, you know, have who have some type of uh, negative behavior or attitude or may have some type of negative um, physical um, sin or something that we can see and we look at them and we judge them. But we really don't understand where that's coming from. We don't understand the root of it. We don't understand the origin. Just like a person who is promiscuous, whether a man or woman, we're quick to judge and say, oh, they nasty, oh, they a hoe, or or they just don't have no respect for their body, or, you know, but you really don't know where that's coming from. You may not know that that person was abused or molested. You may not know that that person, you know, um, in some kind of way was exposed um, to sex at an early age. You don't, you don't know that that person may was, you know, in an abusive household where they were being physically and emotionally abused. You don't know. No, you don't know what what caused what, what what the origin is of that behavior. All you see is the manifestation of the behavior. And so I'm like, what I had to start doing was stop judging myself. Because I was judging me. 
It wasn't nobody else judging me. I was judging me. I was calling myself nasty. I was saying that, you know, I just want to sin and I'm just practicing sin. I was saying that. I was saying that, you know, that I'm just, you know, some some type of uh, sexual sinner, you know, like that I'm just, you know, some type of, um, you know, promiscuous, um, dirty, nasty girl. You know, I was saying these things to myself. I was judging myself because I, I didn't understand. And I was and, and again, there those are things that I've heard. You know, those are things that you hear in society. Those are conversations that you hear, overhear people saying about other people. And so it was very easy for me to judge myself. And the Lord is like, no, because guess what? Jesus ain't judging you. That's why he died on the cross. He had to take and nail all our sins to the cross. So it don't matter what it is. He still nailed it to the cross. But we have to get up and nail it to the cross too. And we can't do that if we continue to hide it. If we continue to do it behind closed doors. And not to say you got to tell the world, no. But the first thing you can do is find somebody you can tell Jesus. And find somebody that you can trust, that you know that is safe. And, or, or get some help. You know, like I said, I reached out to my counselor. Because I understood what I'm dealing with is far beyond just a choice. I'm not just making a choice to continue to, to masturbate or watch porn or, or to sin sexually. This is something that is an addiction. I can't help it. I have no control. And so I know that I need help in the same way when a person has a substance abuse addiction, they go get help. They'll go to recovery. They'll go to get, they'll go to detox, you know, they'll go to AA because they understand what they're dealing with is beyond them. They need, they need professional help. It's the same way with some of these other behaviors that we have that we don't necessarily look at as addictions, but there's all forms of addiction. And when you have an addiction, you are no longer making a choice. This thing is controlling you. It's a stronghold. And, and, and sometimes that thing is, is really the, 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 the thing that is blocking us from understanding who we really are. Because all we can see is this behavior. All we can see is this thing. And so for me, I'm like, Lord, help me to discover who I am. But once I started praying that prayer, Lord, show me my identity, right? Lord, anchor me. I, I pray, anchor me, God, to my identity and you and who you call me to be. And the more I started praying that prayer, the more God started revealing to me the origin and started re revealing to me the pattern and the cycle. He didn't start condemning me. He started revealing to me who I wasn't. <laughs> my God. God started revealing to me who I wasn't. He began to start revealing to me that it's not just me. He began to start revealing to me that I'm not just making a choice to do this. He started revealing to me that this thing is bigger than me. He started revealing to me that this thing has been, you know, devouring so many other people in my bloodline. He started the, 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 revealing to me that this is a demonic attack on my purpose, on my identity. Because, see, we don't always know our purpose um, in the beginning, but see, God knows from the beginning and sometimes the devil, he knows, and he knows the threat that you are. So he'll try to, he'll try to uh, make it a point before you're even born as a child. This is why a lot of us experience trauma and abuse and diff and just really extreme hardships and things at, as, as children, because the enemy, he wants to keep us bound. He wants to keep us sick. He wants to keep us, you know, in a cycle. He wants to keep us distracted with all of these things. So we never discover who we are because the moment we discover who we are, who we are, his time is up. 
the moment you begin to break the cycle, the moment you begin to break the cycle of poverty, the moment you begin to break the cycle of lack, the moment you begin to break the cycle of divorce, the moment you um, begin to break any cycle that has had kept your family bound, he already know he has no more power. So he wants to keep you bounces. And I'm here today, like, listen, like me, you may be struggling in the area. You may have a stronghold. There may be some type of cycle and pattern in your in your um, family, but that ain't got to be your story. You can get free and you can begin to really discover who you are. You can begin to redefine your, your, your worth and you can begin to really um, unlock your identity. But it's going to take you having to go through the process. And a lot of times we be wanting to avoid the process because the process is hard and the process takes time. And we live in a society where we want everything instantly. We want instant gratification and instant results. And we want everything to be microwave for us and, and done right then and there. But that's not how it works. And that's not how God works. He works in a process because when you get something fast, it's going to leave fast. But when you take and you put in the time and you respect and honor and go through the process, then you're going to have lasting results. And see me, I had to surrender to the process because I wanted to stop masturbating immediately. I wanted to stop thinking about masturbating immediately. I wanted to stop watching porn immediately. I wanted to stop, you know, uh, just having the conversations with my ex, knowing that he was going to talk about sex, knowing he was going to want to masturbate, knowing he was gonna, it was going to end there. I already knew where it was going to end, but I would go and I would pretend like I didn't want it when I really did. I wanted to stop doing that immediately. And so I wanted to deal with the behavior, but God like, no, I need to deal with your soul. In order for me to understand who I am, in order for me to, to have um, worth and value and identity, the Lord had to, he has to restore my soul. He has to make me whole. And that happens from the inside out. And see, when you begin to be transformed and when you begin to be healed internally and, and from the inside, the, automatically the outward manifestations and the fruit and the physical things begin to come in alignment. So I just want to challenge us today to rethink the way that we look at the process and understand that the process is not going to always look the way we want it to look. God said that his ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. He don't think as we do as human beings. He don't work in our in our finite mind frame of reasoning. He does things outside of reason and logic because he's God. And we may think that the process is supposed to look a certain way and we might be missing out on our blessing because we are so rigid and we're not flexible and we're not open and we're not surrendered. But I want to say, sis, surrender, because if you want to be free and if you want to know who you are and you want to redefine your worth and you want to walk in the fullness of who God called you to be, you have to go through the process and you have to not be afraid and ashamed to unlock though and open up those deep, deep, dark purpose parts of you those th hidden things those secret things and get naked and exposed as we talked about in our other another episode before that you don't always have to do that with a bunch of people or in front of everybody but you need to do it with God and if you don't know God um I really strongly encourage you to to get in a relationship and to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior and you to begin to have your own personal relationship with him so he can begin to show you himself personally and take you on your own personal journey because your journey don't have to look like somebody else's and you don't have to stay bound you don't have to be a slave to sin you don't have to continue to struggle with sin and cycles and God wants us to be free Jesus said that he came for that we will have life and have it more abundantly it's not abundant life being bound 
He said he came to set the captives free. And those he set free are free indeed. How many of us are walking around and we fake free? We pretend on the outside we free. We, we, we go to church. We go to Bible study. We go to all these different events. You know, we prophesy. We preach. We, we worship. We praise. And then we go home and we go back to that place of bondage. We go back into that cycle. Because we are afraid to admit that we're struggling. We're afraid to admit that we have this thing. We have this thing, like Paul said, the good thing that I want to do, I don't do. And the thing that I don't want to do, I do. He said that for a reason. It's in the Bible for a reason because it's real. And the Apostle Paul, he wrote three-fourths of the New Testament. It didn't stop him from walking in his identity. It didn't stop him from fulfilling his purpose. It didn't stop him from being used by God. But he still struggled. And he had a thorn. He said he begged God three times to take the thorn out of his sight. That Satan sent a tormenting spirit. And he begged God three times to take it. And God said, no, my grace is sufficient. And whatever that thorn was, that didn't stop him from being used. That didn't stop him from being qualified. That didn't stop him from being justified. And sis, it's not going to stop you either. But he surrendered it to God. He gave it to God. He asked God. He put it on the altar. He said, Lord, listen, there's something that I don't want to do, but I keep doing it. And the thing that I don't want to do, there's a warring between my flesh and my spirit that that I, I, I desire and I obey and I love the law, your laws. But then there's another law at work in my members. He surrendered it to God. And because he did, that's why God was able to use Saul. Saul, he became Paul. Paul was not perfect. But what Paul was, he was surrendered. And even with all of his imperfections and flaws, he was still used to do extraordinary things. And do you think God stopped doing that with Paul? No, ma'am. He's still doing it today. But we have to follow in that same example and be willing to surrender it. And even if somebody finds out or we or we confess it to someone and they judge us, it don't matter because The only judgment that matters is what Jesus says about you. What God says about you. Jesus already said, Paul told us in Romans, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And and by the same measure somebody judge is by the same measure they'll be judged. So we don't worry about what people say. They don't have no heaven or hell to put us in. If you want your freedom, you got to be willing to do whatever it takes. And you have to be willing to be anchored in the truth of what God says. Because God don't want us to be stuck in these sins and cycles, sis. He want us free. Jesus did not go and be beat and maimed and and mutilated and, and nailed and all of that for us to still walk around and bound. No. He want us to be free, but we sometimes we got to fight for this thing. Sometimes we, even though he came and he gave it to us and his work is finished, the enemy won't make it easy. And so we have to be willing to do whatever it takes to get what's rightfully ours. And sis, freedom is ours. And so on today's episode, I hope it blessed you. It's blessing me because God wants us to be free. He did not He did not create us to live in no form of bondage whatsoever. He said he'd given us all power over the enemy and we would tread on the lion and scorpion and nothing will by any means injure us. We have to believe that. We are seated in heavenly places alongside of Christ Jesus who's at the right hand of the Father. And that's what it says in Ephesians. We have to believe that. Jesus came to destroy the works of darkness. We have to believe that. 
And if we really believe what we read in the Bible, if we really believe what we say we believe, we'll begin to take up the authority that we have in Christ Jesus and we'll begin to slay every giant that, that tries to rise up against us. That tries to rise up the knowledge of the living God, like David. We will cut the head off of that giant. Because I plan on cutting the head off of this giant of lust and perversion, masturbation, pornography, sexual sin. I refuse to continue to be bound by something that really has no authority over me. And I pray that you receive the same revelation and that God is able to minister to you that you too will to, to, that you will be able to get up and take up your mat and walk. You ain't got to continue to sit in bondage. You ain't got to continue to be in prison, enslaved. You ain't got to continue to be in chains so that you can take up that mat and you can walk. Walk in your freedom. And so I challenge us today to begin to identify the origin of these things that may be strongholds. They may be generational. Some of us know the term generational curse. But I just like to refer to it as a cycle, a pattern, you know, a stronghold, something that has had a hold on the bloodline or, or the generations. Right. And we can identify it because you can. I know I know so many of us can look at our family dynamic and notice certain patterns. No, notice certain behaviors. No, notice certain, you know, um, mindsets or just anything that we can we can pinpoint to certain family members. That's where it starts. Then you'll be able to get an understanding of what you're up against. Because the Bible tells us my people perish for a lack of knowledge. The more that you are ignorant, the more the enemy will continue to use, utilize and exploit that ignorance. But the moment that you begin to to uncover his schemes and his tactics, he know that that he, he he begins to understand that his time is coming to an end because if you continue to recognize his schemes and you continue to recognize that, you know, his plot, and his plans and, and how he is utilizing certain things and how he is continuing to to exploit certain things in your life or in your bloodline, then you'll begin to connect with Jesus and with that and with the revelation. God will put his super on your natural and you will be free. Because that's the goal, freedom. So again, I just want to say, sis, we don't got to be stuck in these sins and cycles. We don't. We don't have to walk around bound. But we do have to be willing to go through the process and to really surrender and give it to God and do whatever it takes. Do what's necessary. If you got to go to therapy, go to therapy. If you got to go to counseling, go to counseling. If you know you're struggling with some form of addiction, whether it's substance or alcohol or whatnot, drugs, anything like that, go to rec Admit yourself. Make a phone call. You know, go to AA. Whatever it is you need to do, it doesn't matter. Because if you think that you can do it on your own, you're going to just continue to be in this cycle. But see, we have to utilize the tools that are given to us and not be ashamed. I'd rather get go to counseling and therapy and whatever else I need to do so I can walk around free than to continue to walk around bound just because I don't want to have people, you know, looking at me and judging me because I, I have to go to therapy or counseling. That don't even make sense. And those same people that may judge you who don't, who say they don't believe in counseling or, you know, they don't, they don't want to talk to a stranger or they don't need nobody else in their business or helping them. Them the same people who bound. And I refuse to be one of them. So I just say today, let's take up our mat and walk and let's walk in our freedom as Christ came for us to have. Woo! I told y'all I was going to get deep this episode. 
But I do pray this episode has blessed you, has just um, sowed a seed into your spirit that will um, get you to go deeper, get you to maybe just start um, just looking at some things, looking at um, just some cycles, some patterns, identifying some roots um, that are in your life or your bloodline and, and, you know, for you to take them to God and again, for you to utilize the practical tools that we have, like counseling, therapy, pastoral counseling, um, you know, addiction recovery, AA, whatever it is that you need, get your healing, sis. Don't be ashamed and afraid. We all got something that we need help healing, you know, deliverance from. And it's it's okay. And I know that it'd be all worth it when you walk in that freedom and you and you realize just how much that you just have been not living and enjoying and 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 thriving and prospering in the way that you were intended to because of this thing. And so um, I just thank you guys for tuning in. You guys are so special to me. And I just want to say like, comment, share, leave a review. If you want to connect with me, you can email me at purityafterpromiscuity at gmail.com. And until we meet again, remember, your past does not define you. It develops you. And you are worthy.